Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Voice of Adoptees. My name is David Schunk, your host. We are here today with Svet, who has a very interesting story for us. Um, we're going to discuss her adoption story, get to know her a little bit, and go from there. So, Svet, thank you so much. Welcome. It's good to have you. Thank you for having me. So, Svet, tell us about yourself. Who are you? Who am I? Where are you from? What? Tell us about your story, <laughs> your life. Where are you at right now? For sure. Uh, so my name is Svet. Um, I am 31 years old. I was adopted from Russia, um, but I was raised in Baltimore. I spent most of my young life uh, on the East Coast. And then uh, in school, I studied journalism. Uh, ever since I've kind of been a nomad, I've just traveled all over the country, all over the world, um, working as a photojournalist. And um, now I am taking a break from being in the field. I do a lot of work in Ukraine. That's where I've been this past year. And now I'm back in Baltimore. So um, I have recently really seen a connection to my adoption in Eastern Europe, to the work that I'm doing, and also sort of to the long impact of trauma that happens when you are, you know, raised in a, I guess, nonlinear environment. And so uh, I wanted to talk about my story because I'm so used to hearing about other people's stories and also sort of dive into that like connection to the work I'm doing deeper. Yeah, that is that is great. And the fact that you are in the front lines over in Ukraine doing that, that's some serious stuff. So we'll be sure to uh, ask about that and your personal experience about that. That's tremendous and that's great. I live on the East Coast too. It's I never want to leave really. Uh, I've been to Baltimore a few times. There's actually a uh, there's this place uh, by the Rainforest Cafe by the waterfront. There's this Italian restaurant. I'll never forget this. It was like two stories and they had a grilled Caesar salad. The first time I ever had a warm Caesar salad, but it was one of the best I've ever had. But I've always, yeah. I forgot the name, but oh well. Um, Anyway, so that's wow. okay. I think I know the place. Yeah, Little Italy is like right by the harbor, and yeah. there's this two tiered, and there's like it's sort of um, an iron gate fence on the second tier. It looks very Sicilian yes. almost. Yes. Yeah. I don't know the name either, but it's still there, and I think you can get your Caesar salad anytime. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Wow. Okay. So you've been around the world and you've seen things. What's your favorite thing you've seen so far? My favorite thing I've seen. Well, um, you know, I think in a way it's hard to say that this past year has been a favorite because it has been so challenging to witness, but I had never been back to Russia after my adoption. And when I was young, I had always just sort of created this perfect scenario in my mind that one day I would go back and I would, you know, not necessarily see a family member, but really see an environment that I grew up in and where I spent my first couple of years. And um, for me, that has like always been sort of on the back burner of a goal in my life. And then when this most recent um, full-scale invasion happened, I realized that that was probably a lot less possible. Um, and at the time, I had been interviewing other orphans from my orphanage, or at least trying to track them down because um, as someone who is a journalist, that's kind of my nature to like work through how I'm feeling by um, documenting. So uh, I was like really geared up to go back to Russia. And then, um, you know, I, I went to Ukraine instead. I arrived a couple of days after the war started. Um, and suddenly I was like in this very foreign but familiar environment. And so for me, this this past period in Ukraine has been really my favorite place I've ever been because it has resembled so much of what I spent a long time kind of wondering what it would be like. Wow. When you were in Ukraine, did you ever feel uh, threatened for your life at all? Um, I mean, besides the fact that everyone there is threatened, you know, on a daily basis, you are uh, at risk. Um, I did initially, I was worried because my passport says I was born in Russia. Um, and I thought that I would have issues right from my arrival with that. And nobody seemed to mind at all. I think that it is a kind of a marker of how close these two places are. I mean, I, I have kind of 
studied the history and I really understand the like brother sister relationship that existed prior to all these conflicts. And so the fact that I am from Russia is not that weird. I mean, a lot of right. the families that kind of migrated there or grown up there, or, you know, they have ties to Russia or they are Russian. And so, you know, it was kind of actually allowed me to stabilize there faster. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. That's, <clears throat> that's incredible. Um, wow. I mean, just to think that not only are you adopted from the country right next door, but you chose to go back there, take photographs and participate in what is happening over there is devastating and it's sad. And it's just, it, it, I think it hits us on a whole different level, considering the fact that that's part of our heritage in some way. We might have relatives that live in Ukraine or Russia. And that's just, you know, it's, it's when you to go back and to face your past with current present threats happening, that's something that very few people are doing and you are one of the few. So it's lucky that you're here to share your story. We're glad that you're safe and you're, you're back in the U.S., I assume, um, and that's yeah, good. Yeah, oh. yeah I, mean, I do think that, like, my uh, experience with adoption has very much prepared me to be in this environment and handle it um, sort of the way that I have. So, in a way, I, I, I don't think I would have be, I would be having the same conversation prior to my time spent there. Um, I feel like I've learned a lot about myself, not just as an adoptee, but as a journalist working in this region. So um, yeah, I'm glad that you have a platform that people can talk about their experiences. It's so important and how it shapes the people that we are and what we do and how we like interact with the world. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more that you said it perfectly. You wanna take over? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'll take on the next one. No, oh, no, sure. I just, I it was so cool because I just, I never talked about this growing up. So it, it, it really is cool that there is such a community and in a way an internet age that allows us all to connect. Absolutely. I, you couldn't have said it better. Um, so let's talk about your adoption. Um, let's yeah. go back and uh, start from the beginning. Let's, you know, the base, basic facts where, what city you were born in, how old were you adopted? What information do you have about where you're from? Yeah. Um, so I was adopted from Kirov. Uh, it is very Northern, like closer to Siberia. Um, and when I was adopted, it was 1994, April. Um, and I always thought that my birthday was in February. So like maybe I was almost two. Um, and then, you know, my parents, they just, they always were like, you're adopted. They told me very, very, very early on. Um, my whole life, they would like read me books about being adopted. I, I used to thought it made me special. Like they did it all right in terms of a very um, surface level conversation. But the details were kept from me for most of my life. And in a way, I think they were trying to protect me. I think that for them, you know, they saw this very like horroring situation uh, in Russia that um, they also we're protecting themselves you know like they were like this is done like we you're here you're safe like we don't need to go back to this conversation so I really didn't know a lot for most of my life um I just knew where I was from my birthday so I thought my name so I thought and that was it you know like this is my life now in Baltimore um and they were like very amenable to me kind of asking questions about Russia but they're not Russian and like they only know so much and to them sort of diving into a little bit of it was like opening the can of worms. So it really wasn't until I was older that I started really seeking out like the, the second tier facts, the third tier facts. Um, so now I know a little bit more, but not so much. Um, I know that there are documents that have the information about why I was adopted. You know, there there's paperwork that sort of says that I was abandoned at a hospital um that uh I was premature I was um uh like on uh breathing assistance for the first few months of my life and then uh eventually when I was healthy enough I was put into the orphanage system um and at that time 
I know from history that they weren't really letting healthy babies leave Russia right after the collapse of the USSR. They were really interested in protecting like the elite species of, you know, Russian youth and getting them readopted into Russian families. Um, so for me in my paperwork, there was a lot of medical sort of concern. Um, I don't know whether it was a lot of made up, a lot of made up things. Yeah. 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 So, and it, I'm sure you hear this, right? It's because it's very common. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, like in, in this kind of toss off of, you know, my, uh, transition into an orphanage, there were people who obviously were intentionally, or maybe there just wasn't like the medical knowledge, uh, to write accurate details about my health. Um, and that really made me eligible for international adoption. Um, and yeah, I know there are a lot of cases like this. Um, so, you know, my U.S. family, they were initially looking to adopt in Ukraine. They, my mom couldn't have, a, and I call her my mom. I know some people distinguish between adoptive parents and, but I was young when I was adopted. This is my family, mom, dad. So my mom, um, she uh, had trouble um, conceiving. She knew she couldn't have a child. So they were looking to adopt her grandmother was raised in Kiev. So I just found that out this past year. And um, they initially were going to adopt from Ukraine, but it was really dangerous for them to go and actually receive a child. So through the Jewish uh, sort of adoption program that existed in the East Coast, they sent them to Russia. Um, and when they arrived, they, um, you know, went to get me and then they, they went to this is just like the story that I'm told, but they went to a doctor to sort of confirm my, my medical state. Um, and like the government found out about it. And it was like this really big issue that they had sort of questioned the documents that they were receiving. But my mom at the time was an immigration attorney and she is very litigious, like all about the truth and the facts and that, you know, and so she just wasn't taking it and um it almost like kind of derailed the whole process i was gonna so say her, they, was, they probably didn't know what they were getting up against <laughs> yeah like it was like super traumatic and you know they're they are globally wise but they had never traveled to this part of the country they were the whole thing was very foreign to them and so you know i think for them it was really overwhelming and they just like kept the eye on the prize that they really wanted to adopt a child and when that happened and they came back they were like you know we just all we want to do is make sure this this baby has a good life. Um, and and then they got me and I'm like a, a crazy, curious, like really ambitious. You know, I was a really crazy kid and I was always asking them, like, what do you know? What are you telling me? You know, and it, I feel like for them, you know, it was a power struggle you know, all through my life to just sort of be like, listen, like, we're not ready to have this conversation. And the fact that you are like, we weren't prepared for that. So um now that I'm much older and the work that I do, they they kind of have been more open. They like just gave me all my documents and were like, you you know, do do with it as you'd like. But um, I still don't know a lot. That was yeah. kind of long winded. Well, no, no, that's that's great to piggyback on. So that was <laughs> that was a lot you just covered. So to piggyback on uh, what you said about the whole medical uh, situation, how you know Russia tends to falsify information. It, my understanding of what I was told by people, uh, many people over there, is that you know my agency even told me I, uh, my adoption agency is located in uh, New England. They don't, they're no longer in business anymore. But the uh, agent who facilitated it, uh, a great woman named Mercy Murchuk, uh, she lives about thirty minutes away from me, so we get lunch occasionally. So it's cool to get the oh, information. Cool. Yeah, um, and so what basically the whole situation with there was. Um, the only way to get a child adopted during the time, like you said, the Soviet Union collapsed, the government was disorganized, and they're focusing on trying to keep Russian children with Russian families. So for the children that they needed to get out of the orphanage, they would make up fake medical issues, put it on your records, therefore the child would become eligible, and that's how it got through the system. So for example, my paperwork said I had water in the brain, I was born premature, club feed, all this stuff. And when I was brought to the American embassy uh, in Moscow, they had a doctor there looking, like, oh, he's healthy, perfect baby. <laughs> so yeah, wow, what a, what a like parallel experience. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, you mentioned... And do you uh, find that? Oh, go you ahead. To, you find that amongst a lot of the people you interview, this is really the common story? Um, I'd say a good amount of people have at least one condition that isn't really necessary to be on paperwork. It's... Yeah, I mean, it's it was a way for them. It was way it was a way for Russia to get the children out of the country, and they did what they had to do. And in some ways, I think we could be thankful that hey, we we got out. And um, you know, everyone's yeah. story is different, but of course. Um, but anyway, back to your story. So, wow, so that's no, that's, that's, that's <laughs> no, no, it's fine. No, no, it's 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 awesome. So. Um, you mentioned how your mother's an immigration lawyer and you're getting the, they were giving the Russian government the run for their money. Um, yeah. And then you had all this information. And my next question is, now that you have access to all this information, um, did you ever feel a bit neglected in a sense where you wish you had access to all this information years ago or are you grateful that they made you kind of wait until they thought you were more prepared for it? Yeah, I, I think it's a very good question. I mean, I feel that um, for me, like a lot of the neglect that I felt growing up was not really related to feeling like I wasn't being told something because although I know there's more information, I didn't necessarily know, know that they had more information. So like, I think that I dealt with a lot of the normal psychological neglect that adoptees feel be simply because they know they're adopted. And then as I got older and I was asking them, I do think that as adopted parents, once your child is old enough and we don't have to put an, a, a, an age on it, you know, like really coherent enough to recognize that like they who they are and they ask for information I think that transparency is really helpful I think that as parents if you have information sitting down with your children and really going through that and like having that conversation um could be really cathartic for a child um and even if it's like really scary for you to do uh I I think as people we are deserved we deserve to know our histories, right? And 100%. any person deserves to know their history. So for for me, I guess, I don't necessarily like feel like I would, I, I wish I had it earlier because I kind of live this life of like things are happening, how they're happening. And at this point, having this information is, it's a really good fit for me to have it at this point in my life. So you know, I, I try not to like really resonate in what could have or should have or any anything of that nature. But I do like advise parents when I talk to them about my adoption to be transparent um, because I think it's only to the benefit of your relationship with your adopted child. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. I think that there's a responsibility behind parents that do adopt. It's not like they don't know what they're getting into. Um, in my humble opinion, you are, you know, subconsciously, you have to remember that, hey, this child might be young, you know, he's mine, you know, he's going to be my son, he's going to be my daughter. But the reality is, he's going to grow up. And he was born from someone else. He was from somewhere else to begin with. And he has the right to know, and he's going to ask questions. And it's our job to number one, have those questions. Number two, have these have as much information available. And it's only fair, and in my it's in my opinion, it's the right thing to do. You hear these stories about adoptive parents that are scared that their kids are going to go back and never talk to them again, or hey, you're not my real, you know, this this one gets me. You're not my real mom. I that just kind of angers me in some ways because it's like, okay, well, where was your birth mother? Where was she? How did she help you with your life? Okay, she gave you birth, but who actually yeah. helped raise you? Who installed? morals and values and who taught you what is right and what is wrong and you know that the, the argument can go on and on because you know you, then on the flip side if you want to play devil's advocate there are unfortunately not the best stories of adoptive parents who weren't the best for their yeah. children so it, the argument goes both ways but to piggyback off what you said basically i agree that there has to be some level of responsibility that you're adopting a child you know what you're getting into and you should um but it sounds uh, yeah. like, it sounds like, oh yeah go ahead 
no, 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 go, go. I, I'm... Oh, <laughs> ladies first. Uh, no, no, I, I just, I do agree. And I also think that um, uh, having a, a really, I guess, broader understanding of the homes that children go into is very relevant to the conversation because they aren't always supportive and they aren't always a good fit. Um, and so those children probably have a very different perspective about what a different life or even more information could do for them at a younger age. Right. Yeah. Um, wow. So when you started to get this information, um, what age exactly? I know you said it was more recent in the last couple of years or a few years. You started getting like all the paperwork from your parents. They just said, have at it. Um, well, <laughs> well, I found sort it. Of. And oh, you they, found it. Okay. They couldn't, they couldn't deny it. I mean, you know, it was in a box. It wasn't like it was in a safe buried underground, right? Like it was just kind of put away. Um, and so, yeah, I found it uh, maybe a three or four years after college. Um, I was actually living at, I was living in Baltimore and I was having a really hard time adjusting like as an adult, which is crazy to say, but I think that what it was, was that, you know, I had been to school. I had really like given my whole life up to that point to my education. And then afterwards where you're really like forced to find your own footing, I I felt like there like was pieces missing um, that were like, it was making it hard for me to like really understand like what I was supposed to be doing with my life. And at that point, like I was really um, sort of certain that, that the missing pieces were in my past. And I don't think that that's like uncommon, right? So um, at that point I became like much more aggressive in sort of finding out more information. That's when I found the box. And, you know, I think I, I think at some point before that I had found out that my name was initially Svetlana on my birth certificate, but, um, I feel like, you know, that was something that was really glazed over. And then, you know, later I had a roommate who was like, I, I feel like your birthday is not your birthday. And like, she was really adamant about it, about like horoscopes and stuff. And I've never been into horoscopes. So I was like, you're being crazy. Like, believe what you want, you know? And she was really, really persistent to the point that I remember I was like with my entire family. And she like sent me this really long text about horoscopes. And I was like, you guys, you'll never believe this. Like, she won't let it up. You know, isn't that so weird? And they all looked at me and were like, well, it's not, that's not your real birthday, you know? And they said it to me that in a way that was, um, you know, like, don't overreact, you know, like this, don't let this information change. Don't be crazy about this, you know? And I thought that um, that was like a little hurtful. Um, and we've talked about this since, so this isn't like a, a bombshell um, right. for the internet, but um, you know, I, I really, I was really hurt that not that I didn't know the information, but that they felt like they could tell me how I could feel about finding this information out. Because to me, I, I don't think that anyone can really tell an adoptee how to feel about something because our experiences are so like deeply rooted in our like internal emotions. And so, um, you know, I was like, oh, okay, it's not my birthday. And they're like, no, no, we don't know when your birthday is, but we think it's this day. And, you know, it, it really, in a way was like, something that helped start this conversation that I'd been wanting to have for so long. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I find this box and it's like, just my, there, there's a name for a mother and a father and that there are siblings. And, you know, I just, I don't think that I really like felt that much when I like opened the box. I, I, I was like, wow, I feel like a journalist. Like I'm going to go and like start doing this research. Like I really went into the mode of like, okay, if this wasn't me, like, how would I approach this project? Um, and so uh, I just, that's what I really did. Like, I just started doing as much research as possible. Um, and still, like, I don't have many more answers than I did, um, just because it's so difficult. And I think that um, when I was younger, that was really the disappointment that they were trying to shield me from. Um, they I think realized that it was going to be a very hard journey for me to get specific answers. And so as I've like done that work as an adult, I'm not really discouraged. Um, but maybe if I was younger and like hitting roadblock after roadblock after roadblock, like that would have been a disappointment that added to my like emotional state. So, you know, when we talk about 
your question earlier, I don't know. Like, I think maybe it was a good time for me to find this out because I, I really can handle both the, the highs and the lows of what it means to try to rediscover, you know, where you come from. Right. And, and it sounds like you handled it much better than most people would, in my opinion. I mean, I'm not, I'm just speaking for myself maybe, but I, I would definitely feel a little bit, not like uh, lied to, but, you know, I'd feel like that's kind of a, a pretty important piece of information about your life that, hey, you know, maybe, I mean, of course, your first reaction is going to be, you know, why did you not share this with me? You know, every human being's emotion is going to be a little bit angry probably first until they think about it. And then they're going to say, well, you know, do you think you really should tell a five-year-old that, hey, actually your birthday's wrong? <laughs> probably <Yeah>. not. <laughs> so, I mean, I can understand. No, some like, yeah. And like, some of it, I mean, I did react, you know, like I got into a car not too long after and drove across the country and lived in California for five years. Like, I feel like I had a very extreme reaction. And okay, at the yeah, time, I'd, I'd say that's like, pretty extreme. Yeah. Oh, this is my next life choice. You know, like, I'm just going to do this. Like, I need to be free. But I think what it was, was actually me being like, I need to separate myself from a scenario that I feel like has been really controlled my whole life. Like, so many things that I didn't even realize were being controlled. Um, and so, you know, I just like left. Uh, and, uh, you know, in a way, like, I don't even know if they realized that was the full reason, but I, I think that like, now that it's so many years have gone by that I was like, yeah, no, I'm out of here. Like, what is this? Well, did you at least go to a nice part in California? <laughs> no, I, you know, I went to LA. Um, uh, yeah. I like, no, I was still really young. I definitely had like a lot of pain that I needed to work through at the time. And like, I, I, I did that. I, I like very much insulated myself, kind of separating myself and was just like, I need to go through this on my own. Um, and it was really painful. Like, I think that when I witnessed some of the really hard things in Ukraine, I, I feel like I have felt some really deep pain that like, allows me to digest other people's really deep pain, right? And that I think has to do with being adopted and sort of like the emotions that come with it. Yeah, I mean, adoption is so, like, it's a topic that I feel society doesn't even know how to respond to properly. And I say that because I feel just myself, maybe you have as well, or other adoptees in the last, 10 years, I'd say I probably got asked 15, 16 times by journalists or people in college doing PhDs on something about adopted kids internationally, or they always want your opinion because they feel like they need to know what, you know, in a part of me feels like the reason why I've always been so persistent about trying to prove to like the world that adopted people are no different than any other human being. Besides the, <laughs> besides the harsh reality of, yeah, okay, maybe we came from somewhere else. Maybe we were born from another person. But I mean, you know, we're, we're all human beings on the same planet, right? But there's yeah. like this, there's this stigma against people who are adopted that I feel the education system doesn't fully understand. Uh, they make assumptions too quickly. Um, you know, to just, I mean, yeah, they, they look at statistics and they are quick to judge you know, I mean, for when I was adopted, I was adopted almost two, right? And um, in elementary school, yeah. without like testing or anything, they just basically assumed, okay, he came from a foreign country. He probably is going to have uh, a hard time reading and speaking English. So I got put in like extra reading support and all this. So that it was like, it turns out I didn't even need it. Okay. Like I did have like, you know. Oh, that's interesting. They made me take a test every oh, year. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, I'm guessing that's what it was. But yeah, it was like really remedial, like say dog, you know, I was like, dog. Yeah, I, yeah, I saw you sit there, say dog, sabaka. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, right? I, I should have no. just messed with them. I didn't, I didn't have the like witty wherewithal when I was six or seven. But um, yeah, I definitely would mess with them now. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. I, I don't think it's discussed. Um too much I do I do feel like like the reactions from people are really kind of like almost I don't like nobilizing adoption like when I tell someone they're like oh wow you know and 
very often does it make it kind of feed into that narrative that it's like something special and cool, um, which I also don't think is a very informed reaction because yes, it does make me probably different than you, but it doesn't necessarily like all stars and whistles. Like you're like, yeah, okay, I can tell you my story. And I, I feel like I become very hesitant as an adult to necessarily like mention it out of turn. Like it's very, very important to what I do. So when I talk about my work, cause I work with children and trauma in conflict zones, like I feel the need to talk about my adoption because it drives my choices. But like in social circumstances, I realize that you can't just mention it. You can't just be like, oh, well, I was adopted. You know, then it's like a two hour conversation and you have to like divulge all of your personal information. Like, and to me, I think that's the most interesting like point as to how little it's integrated into society is that nobody knows. So the second that you say it, you have to then say everything about it. And that can also be kind of traumatic for an adoptee, like to constantly be like, this is what I went through. This is my life story, you know? And I wish there was like a more, I guess, concise and like widespread conversation that, that like cushions the curiosity so that like, I don't have to be responsible every time to tell you what it means to be an adoptee. Right. No, I agree. And I think it's, um, it's unfortunate that the first reaction is, you know, people, kind of put you on a pedestal like you mentioned and they're like oh wow that's so cool but you know I feel what if you you know you're doing them injustice if you say your story was all great and fine and, and if it wasn't so <laughs> if 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 and turns out if you know if you're going to tell the truth about your adoption you're going to say how horrible it was they're going to probably think uh well one they're going to feel bad they asked but I mean you know I think you know I agree with you they don't know your full story and they're kind of hoping and assuming, oh, you're adopted. So your life must be a lot better now when it's like, yeah. okay, that's, that's definitely not the full story because, you know, over, um, since, you know, I, I created the Facebook group Russian adoptees back in November of 2013, we started with three people, me and two other, uh, women who were at the uh, university of Vermont, uh, right next to my school up, up in Burlington, Vermont, our campuses overlapped. And, uh, the two of them happened to be adopted from Russia. So we all had a little like lunch and just chatted about it. And I was thinking, okay, well, isn't there like a Facebook group or something? We can all stay in touch and no one apparently made it. So we became the first group and now we have over 2000 people and growing strong. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, just bringing people together and just the awareness is something that I've been trying to do for so many years. And, it's you know i think this is a great way to get the message out but we you know to educate people about adoption from adoptees i think that's important that they hear it from us not from someone who has nine phds and isn't even adopted <laughs> yeah, themselves yeah. and i say that because i actually went to an adoption conference in washington dc about uh, seven eight years ago and i was in a room in a conference room at like the hilton down by the white house and there were a room full of adoption agency directors, the National Council of Adoption was there, uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists, social workers, and the whole topic was trying to understand like adopted children and how they can help them and heal. And I asked a question, because at the end they had questions, I said, just by show of hands, how many of you are adopted yourself? Nobody. Nobody. It was just wow. me. It was just me. You had a room of like 50 plus, maybe a hundred people, maybe Isn't one other like person. That's crazy. Yeah. Maybe like one other person raised their hand, but I <laughs> said, and I said like, this is my point. You're asking the wrong crowd. You, yeah. Just because someone doesn't have a PhD in it doesn't mean they don't know what they're talking about. I mean, if you want to know what we feel about adoption, have a conversation with us. Most of adoptees are more than happy to tell your story, good or bad. We will be honest with you because by asking us, you're letting us tell our side of the story. And some people who are adopted, they really want to tell their story because that's part of their healing process of understanding it. And I think that's that's why, you know, we have these interviews and we ha allow people the chance to come out there and speak. And, yeah, you know, so, yeah. some of them feel really good, like a weight's been lifted off their shoulder when they finally feel like they can talk and just be themselves and they can say what they want and not be judged or criticized about it. And I think that's very important. Um, but that was my, that was my little rant, but. Uh... No, 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 I think it's really important, you know? And I, and I think like for what I was saying was not really that, um, you know, I don't uh, 
really enjoy sharing it from my perspective. Um, I just feel like it's an all or nothing conversation. Um, and, you know, just as much as we should be telling our side of the story, we should be given the space as to like where and when we say it. Um, exactly. And, yeah, exactly. And I, I also feel like, you know, from, from when I was growing up, I always knew that the life that I was given was better than the life I would have had. And I think that that is a fair assessment, but it also is like sort of against the science that nobody knows what could or would have happened. Right. So like, I always felt that I owed something to my adoptive parents. Like in a way there was like a, a little, like very quiet cog in our seemingly like, you know, a uh, functional relationship that was like, you guys gave me this like life and I can't, I can't go against what you want for me because of that reason. That's, um, a, that's a great thing you just brought up because I was waiting for someone to say that because I've been feeling that way my whole life as well, that I constantly have to, not, not that I'm saying I have to prove myself constantly, but I feel like they went out on a limb to give me a second chance. And now it's my responsibility to give it back and show how grateful I am but honestly in some ways that's motivated me to keep going and saying you know what like they they you know they gave me the shot they gave me the chance to do whatever I want in my life I need to do something I need to make them proud and I need their acceptance to show them thank you and I tell them as much as I can you know thank you for everything you know it's it's just I just feel it's like my I just feel responsible pretty much but you know everyone yeah. has it their own way but yeah no, and I think, you know, I think that innately we are like people pleasers in a way because of this kind of symbiotic relationship. I also think like, yeah, I felt very motivated to be successful, like in all areas of my life. And like, like you say, please my parents. But I also think that there is like another perspective to that where, you know, we also have to talk about what we want as individuals, you know, like they made their choices to adopt us. And that is not something we're indebted to, you know, we are still people that grow up and like have wants and needs that like need to be addressed. Um, and I think that as I got older, um, and I started really pursuing the things that I wanted that felt sort of out of line with necessarily like exactly the life they saw for me, that that was like the most freeing of experiences for me, like as an adoptee was me finding a balance that like said, I am really grateful, but I'm not going to change the decisions in my life because of that gratitude. Um, and so, you know, I don't know whether this is something that comes up a lot, but one of the reasons I wanted to come and talk about this was because that was like such a change in my perspective of my life and like life in general was that just because I am doing this thing that maybe is different, it doesn't mean that I'm like disrespecting this amazing experience and opportunity that I was given in life, right? And I just never felt that way for most of my life. So it's been really new. Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes it takes people a lot longer to come to that conclusion. But I mean, the fact that you figured it out, it's it's healthy. You, you approached it in a very normal direction. And you know, some people are going to feel more responsible than others. Some people are going to feel more careful about, you know, saying anything that might make their adoptive parents sad or, you know, just you might mention a comment. I mean, I see it sometimes where honestly, it kind of pains me sometimes when I see and I hear about adoptees referring to their parents, their adoptive parents, like, oh, they're not my real parents. And they call their birth family mom. And I, that's just, I feel that's so disrespectful. Maybe that's because my mom and I are very tight. So it's just like, I could never, oh. ever not call her my mom. Like, that's just, you know, but again, everyone's story is different. And I respect that it's their decision and, you know, it's their life, but back to you, because this is about you, not the universe. <laughs> <laughs> so now that you had this information and yeah. you've been to Ukraine, you've, you've, for your profession, you got to see a little bit of your heritage and see kind of where you're from. And you have this different perspective that a lot of people don't have right now, but from everything you've learned so far and where you're at right now, what would you say the next step is in your life regarding your adoption? Are you curious about trying to dive into your past? Are you curious about trying to figure out if you can find any living relatives or mm -hmm. maybe 
the culture or the language. Um, if you want to ever get a Russian passport again, right now is probably not the best idea, but maybe, in, you know, what, what are your thoughts on all that right now? Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, for me, I, 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 I stick to the same curiosity of like, of seeing um, the environment that I came from. Um, I, I don't really have like a, a huge amount of interest in finding relatives. I, I did do like 23andMe. I think that that's like really hard for international adoptees because it requires a two um, like way participation um, that is very unlikely. Um, so, you know, I, I think I, I both approach this sort of idealistic and realistic in the way that if someone was like, hey, we found your birth mom, would I say, no, I don't want to meet her? Like, no journalistic fiber in me would ever turn that down that opportunity. But I do think that, you know, what I seek in my like next steps is really based in like retracing the physical journey of how I got to America and like going to the places and seeing like if the buildings are still there or like, you know, that kind of thing and better understanding like my personal experience um, in that time. And this conflict does complicate that in a lot of ways. Um, and I think I didn't expect to, to kind of feel so pained by the reality of what's going on between Russia and Ukraine, because, you know, it's not really about me, but when I think about it and I hear like a, a rhetoric that's so hateful toward Russia because of what they're doing to Ukraine, I also realize that like internally it that's a painful conversation for me like to hear that a place that I always thought that I would be able to walk freely one day and like find some some puzzle pieces it it might not like even be possible um and I also feel that in my work there like I have been less curious than I've ever been in my life um that when we talked about like when I was here before I like left to LA, like I just felt like I needed this information that it was really like missing. I feel like now at this point, like so much less um, sort of reliant on that like journey because of how much I get from the work that I do in the field. Like so much of that has given me answers that I never expected. And maybe they're not about my story, but it's about a bigger story, about a connective story that like we are all experiencing things that sort of make us feel at home or away from home or part of this or not part of this. And um, I do think that like adoption kind of like is a very clear way to have that conversation, but it, it's a conversation we all have. So like, I don't know, you know, I, I think I would like to go, but right now, like my work is very, very focused in what I'm doing in Ukraine and that helps with the language and the culture and all that stuff. So um, I'm hoping it's like a building block to a very like cool project in the future that like one day I get to like literally go from Ukraine to Russia safely and like use all the amazing experiences that I've had this past year and like all the pain that I've witnessed to like tell my own story. Yeah, well, that would be amazing, um, definitely to do that. And in what you're seeing over there, you're getting a firsthand view of um, your everyday person that suffers from political violence, really, in the war and the war happening over there. And that's unfortunate. Um, yeah, it's just it's sad to watch. And especially since we have roots over in that area of the world, it's it's you know, it it makes you stop and think like, wow, you know, Maybe if I wasn't adopted and I was still alive uh, as a male, probably would have been thrown into the military. Who knows where I'd be right now? Um, you know, but it's anyway, crazy thought. yeah, it is a crazy thought. And uh, I have a question in particular about you being a journalist and everything. Um, yeah. Do you do you ever feel that, you know, you've heard stories about journalists who go to Russia, especially from the United States? And yeah. Has this ever been a concern for you wanting to travel back to Russia, thinking that one, you're going to be, well, they'd view you as a Russian citizen because you were born there. So maybe that might be a little better. But as you can, as you know, being a journalist and what's going on over there, they're not really big on free press. So what, what 
would you feel safe really doing your job in that country? Well, I mean, we're talking in a time where there is a journalist imprisoned um, in, in Russia. So, you know, I think that for me, of course, there's an extreme amount of hesitation. Um, I feel like before the work that I was going to do there was so personal, I always knew that there might be some sort of pushback from the government if I was filming or doing this, you know, but I, I sort of thought maybe because it was like really based in my story that it, it would not be as, I guess, concerning to the government eye, but I don't, like I said, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think that if I were to go to Russia, I would really have to be prepared to take on an extreme amount of risk. Um, and that's not because of my prior citizenship. I think that's because of the way they see international media and the fact that I'm from Russia literally has nothing to do with it. I I think more so the fact that I am working in Ukraine is going to be the biggest issue if I really decide to make that jump. Um, and it it is in the balance of like where the two regions lie. Um, and I'm not really holding my breath anymore. I, I feel like it's going to be very difficult, uh, for me. Um, and I knew that the second I set foot into Ukraine, it was a choice. So, um, in a way I made that decision for myself. Well, but I just, what was happening there was like way too important. Um, and I you know, that I was happy to sacrifice my own story for the story of what's going on. That's uh, that takes a lot of courage and that's very admirable, really. That's, that's really big. You should be proud of yourself and the work you're doing. Can you think at the top of your head, the number one out of all the portraits you've taken, the stories you've collected in Ukraine, what's one that stuck out to you? Hmm. What's one that stuck out to me? Um, you know, I, I honestly, I feel, uh, it's like when someone asks you what's your favorite song, you know, there's, they're really, it's, it's hard to narrow down a single image or experience. I think, you know, if people want to look into the work that I do, um, I can definitely give you my information. Um, the, the reason that I focus on refugees, children, um, displacement of home. I think there's so many photos that I've taken that I, I see myself in. I think every photo I take in a way is like a self-portrait, but I think a lot of the work that is really focused around children who are forced to flee the environment that makes them feel safe are my strongest images because I relate most to them. Um, and even though my story doesn't necessarily reflect their story, I, I know the emotions that they will feel throughout their lives. And when I take a picture, it is not just that moment. It is like a depiction of what is going to be their entire life of, you know, emotional distress because of what's happening in that moment. So um, I have a few that I like really hold, hold deeply to heart and, um, I will be continuing all the work that I'm doing for hopefully years to come. So uh, I can get back to you if there's one that I just like, I'm like, this is it, you know, <laughs> this is, this answers yeah, your question. But, absolutely. So you, know, you, you do. Now you, it's the body of work. Okay. So you do plan on going back to Ukraine? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I had um, two, two uh, main trips last year. I spent most of the year there. So this is really a break. And then I'll go back. Um, I am like fully committed uh, to the project. And I think that uh, there really is not a better person to tell their story. Um, you know, I, I'm still learning so much about working in the environment, but I do feel that one of the greatest gifts of me being adopted is that I can now use that experience to share the stories of other people, specifically children. Yeah, no, that's, you should definitely leverage the fact that you have that opportunity to document um, children's experiences and to see families over there. And I think the comment you made about every single person you photographed or interviewed or just walking around in Ukraine and these portraits you've done, you've mentioned that you kind of see yourself in all those. And that is something that is so powerful that I think it's actually contributing to your self-identity in some ways. You're learning 
who you are through get to do what you do for a living at the same time, which is very special. And that is something that obviously, you know, um, definitely we'd love to share your work. Um, mm -hmm. That'd be amazing. Please do send that over. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah. And yeah. I do like I encourage ad adoptees. I think one of the, our best ways of coping is following our passions, whatever they might be. Um, so uh, I am, of course, lucky to like have grown up in a place that has encouraged me to do that, um, to have like found something that I care so deeply about. Uh, it, I know it's not everyone's experience, but sometimes we quiet our own voices and like we don't feel as important um, in what we're doing. And I just really encourage children who are adopted to like hold power in what they enjoy because it is really cathartic and like useful to the world. Right. I mean, if you love what you do, you know, the old saying is you're never actually working if you love it. So um, I know, I know. that's great. So, uh, wow, I, I, that was amazing. Um, I'd like to give you one more opportunity <laughs> in a couple sentences to leave everyone uh, who's going to listen to the podcast from you personally. What's your message that you want to get across to uh everyone? I honestly just want to like take this time to thank you for what you're doing. I mean, I, I feel like we should be connecting. Um, so I, if anyone does want to talk to me specifically, um, I'm always available. Uh, but I feel like the best thing that you're doing is like giving an open space for adoptees to come together and share their experiences. Um, and, you know, I hope that all of this you know, makes not only the conversation around adoption possible, but sort of like makes how great adoption can be sort of the start of that conversation. Even if it's not everyone's story, I really do think adoption is like one of the coolest things um, that, you know, we can do as people. And I, I, I do hope to adopt one day. So that's great. I, I actually do too. And I think adoption is special. It's powerful. And it's definitely power when we have the numbers because we have a lot of people adopted around the world and just not from Russia, from China, from Vietnam, from the Philippines, from Africa, and in the foster care system. You know, we encourage everyone who wants to share their story to come join us and share their story. But, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's incredible and what you're doing is incredible. So keep up the good work. Make us proud. Really, yeah, yeah, I will definitely I, stay in touch. Definitely stay in I'm touch. You're welcome to come back anytime. Uh, we'd love to hear Thank from you. you. It's been it's been a pleasure uh, getting to know you, getting to talk to you, and hear your story. Really, it's it's impressive. You know, just oh. do what you love, and I'm sure it reflects in the work that you do. And um, that was just incredible. Thank you, Svet, oh, for an amazing. You so much for me. Absolutely. Thank you so much, uh, everyone. That was another episode here today at Voice of Adoptees. Got to listen to Svet's amazing story. It will be online shortly, uh, www.voiceofadoptees.com. You can find us on all the platforms. And if you're interested to share your story and come on as a guest, let us know. As always, remember, adoption is great. Adoption is good. And we will see you next time at Voice of Adoptees. Who am I? <laughs>